0: What do autonomous drones unlock? If self-driving cars make travel easy, autonomous drones make transport, inspection, security, research, and so much more programmatic. That's an order of magnitude more useful than drones that have to be flown or driven by humans manually. In this episode of Tech First with John Goodseer, we chat with Exxon Technology CEO Nader Elm, who has just announced the achievement of Level 4 drone autonomy. I'll start here. Uh, You're announcing Level 4 autonomy for your drones right now. What does that mean?
1: So one of the things we realized very early on as we started talking about our robots is, uh, you know, we talk about autonomy and the word itself really doesn't have that much definition. I think yes. there's been some uh, discussion, at least in the driverless car market. So uh, there's a, a general understanding over there and there's a framework that the SAE's put together. Uh, but there isn't anything really outside of that. So. We looked around, uh, we couldn't find anything. So we took it on ourselves to propose at least a framework for that and not something that we would want to own because that would be very disingenuous. So we borrowed a lot of the framework from SAE because that's already in market and tried to establish a new way of Articulating the different levels of autonomy, at least when it comes to the world of drones. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what we proposed. It's version one, and we're looking for evolving that over time.
0: So, give us a sense of what level four autonomy means and why that's such a big step from level three.
1: So, generally, I think there's been an evolution in drones, anyways. There's, uh, you know, unmanned systems. So, uh, there's no person on board and then it offloads a lot of the effort of flying the drone. Uh, But generally over time, I think what's happening is there's still a requirement for certain inputs, whether it be from, you know, uh, an operator or leveraging any kind of infrastructure like GPS. So that's the first strand. The other strand is basically how much of the you know kind of exploration how much of the mission itself can be handed over to the system itself so what we've done is essentially with uh, the definition of level four kind of said not only is the operator not flying the system the operator is just giving very very high level kind of mission parameters to the drone and leaving it to the drone to figure out how it's going to fly itself uh, not just going from point a to point b but just figuring out how it's going to complete the mission uh, from there. And that's basically what we have worked on. We call this scoutonomy, and uh, we've just launched the first iteration of that, and that's our level 4A.
0: Excellent. So does that also speak to speed of the drone? I mean, like you might have level 4 at a certain speed, like crawling. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. might have level 4 at high speed. Uh, Talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, so concurrent with what we're doing on autonomy, uh, we've also started developing higher levels of speed so you can cover more uh, area for the mission. So that's basically another element of what we've been working on, which is working at higher speeds. And uh, that in itself is actually separately and distinctly a very, very different challenge because you've got to perceive the world, you've got to process the world, you've got to anticipate where you're going to be going to next yeah, so, yeah, crawl before you walk before you run. So right yeah. now we've gone from crawl to a walk, and we've got aspirations to kind of go into a full sprint in the future.
0: Excellent, excellent. I'll probably take some hardware to make that happen as well. Let's talk a little bit about what this unlocks and what clients are going to do with this new capability. I mean, when I hear about this, I think about drones perhaps doing missions. Uh, you know, you, you might have a drone that is tasked with, Every X number of hours being programmable to take a scout around a building, you know, like a security drone or something like that. Or you might imagine like a maintenance drone that takes a scout every two days or something like that around a bridge or something like that. What does this unlock?
1: So in the first instance, I mean, essentially what it does, it just makes it more usable uh, to an operator. You don't have to work too hard to figure out what the mission is. Uh, Mm -hmm. You talk about bridge inspection, for example. One way to do it, uh, you know, uh, a lot of uh, companies doing this is basically the operator is directing the drone where to go. So that needs a lot of pre-planning. It needs some foresight. Uh, What we're proposing is that you just need to know roughly where the bridge is. You need to instruct the robot to say, okay, it's between here and here, and it's a cube or a kind of a stretched uh, area, and leave the robot to figure out how it's going to span the bridge, go and cover the bridge completely, and know when it's done and return to base. Uh, That makes it a lot easier for you as the operator. You don't have to sweat the details. Leave that to the robot and makes it that much easier and better. And in some instances, it'll actually make it more effective because humans make mistakes. The algorithms hopefully will be able to remove any of those uh, kind of errors, human errors that might otherwise be in there.
0: So in other words, it's kind of like telling an adult to go and do something versus walking a kid through it step by step by step uh, every time you go. Does a drone need to have an internal representation of bridgeness and what to do with a bridge? to enable this?
1: Uh, It doesn't, no. I mean, it's working on basically the physical geometry of that thing. All it knows is it's a cube. uh, So Mm -hmm. I'm going to go into that space. I'm going to figure out where I can and can't fly. And wherever I can, I've just got to make it complete. So beyond that, though, that's not to say that there are opportunities to now start adding in more smarts to basically say okay now it doesn't have to be bridge but you know if there are particular things of interest that you want to zoom in on you can Mm -hmm. train the robot because at the end of the day this is edge computing by definition you can train it to look for certain things and if it finds them to act differently so for example scan the bridge you identify rust or cracks Now zoom in, I need a lot more detail on those areas and then continue with the mission. So you can actually establish entirely new behaviors and uh, new problem solving mechanisms in real time on board.
0: That's really interesting. And when you say you can train the robot, who's the you here? Is that a generalized you or is that on a per-customer basis? Or is that you as your company train the robot? You know, when you see something like this, zoom in, who's training that? How's that work?
1: So initially, it'll be us. I mean, awesome. we're putting on the machine learning models and the various training elements. But our goal is to open it up so other people can put on their machine learning uh, software and their own training models as well so that it can be more generalized. You can send it out to different applications. We don't profess to be the be all and end all for all things. However, we want to be the enabler for a lot of other applications that other people have uh, capabilities for.
0: That sounds really interesting because I might be a security company and I might have some expertise in uh, development and programming and maybe even AI or something like that, but I don't have a drone and I don't have autonomy. But if I can take this drone, and I can take its autonomous capabilities. I can say, hey, take a, a little fly around this stadium every 30 minutes or so, come back to base to recharge if you need to, right? But take a fly around. If you see a human where there isn't supposed to be one and to find that, right, you know, then Zoom in and give me some more shots and maybe alert me or something like that, right?
1: That's exactly right. And that's the thing. We, we're not smart enough to imagine every scenario and every uh, kind of interesting thing that might happen in different industry verticals. So in security, you're right. I mean, it might be go fly. And if there's something specific, like a person that shouldn't be there, and that's another interesting thing. You can identify <laughs> people, but now you've got to have enough contextual information to understand that they're not supposed to be there. Uh, But there could be other applications as well that we just haven't thought of. I mean, in the context of, for example, warehouses, if you're flying through a warehouse and you see a particular object that might be, uh, it's supposed to be in the warehouse, it's a forklift truck. And so you can figure out, okay, I'm going to work around that. But if it's a person that's not supposed to be in the aisle, then you can kind of say for safety Mm -hmm. reasons, I want you to back off, I want you to return to base. So these are all interesting things. but. Uh, experts and other companies we want to enable to be able to do that. One way we look at it is basically we want to be the smartphone on which other people can develop their applications. Uh, We we just want to be the standard for that.
0: Excellent. Now, will you have an app store so that somebody who comes in has an application, uh, a usage, uh, a use model for it, and they want something that whether it's security or something like that, maybe a maintenance uh, flight or something, they can pick A pre-trained model and apply to it uh, on an app store that
1: you run? Uh, Well the answer is yes and uh, the app store so I don't where I'd like to kind of get to is we're not even in the loop so we just publish the API's and people can plug into it they'll obviously get support from us but more like a value-added reseller would they would develop the applications put it on and then uh, put it out so we want to enable that, you know, flourish and that, opportunity, because I think there's going to be so many applications that we haven't even dreamed of yet. Yes. Uh, I think we want to just enable that.
0: Absolutely. Talk to me about autonomy in drones in general. You've unlocked level four as you've defined it. Who else is working on this? How close are they? Is this first ever global?
1: Uh, Well, I'm not going to (laughs) exactly. Yeah, I won't say that we're the only people working on it. Uh, And again, we were very, very thoughtful when we came up with the framework to make sure we weren't bending it so that we could be the first or the best or anything like that. We want to be very honest about it. So within the context of that. We believe that we've got the most advanced. However, I'm sure other people are working on something similar. Uh, If they haven't released it yet, they probably will. Uh, But there are very few companies that are working in uh, kind of the industrial space that have got something as robust as what we've uh, developed. I'd like to think that we're at least the first. But I'm sure there are other folks who will be releasing something soon.
0: There are a lot of people who are working on drone delivery programs. And while those sometimes seem like the shiny objects that everybody gets a splashy press release out, deliver the pizza in Missouri with a drone or something like that, right? You know, yet that's an interesting scenario uh, for the medium term future. And I've interviewed a few people who have done stuff like in-flight recharging and other things like that. Uh, One would think that this level of autonomy And awareness of what's around because in an outdoor setting, things change. (laughs) You can't fly a predetermined path because, guess what? Trees grow, uh, cars move, (laughs) the the wind comes up, clouds Mm -hmm. and fog happen, that sort of thing. Uh, How do you see this type of functionality impacting delivery, drone delivery?
1: Specifically, drone delivery, I mean, All of that uh, regulation and FAA thing aside, just looking at the pure technical aspect of it. uh, Yeah, I mean, it is a definite interesting challenge because to your point, you might have uh, had that journey once before, but you can't assume that the map is the same map every time you come back. So there's got to be enough intelligence on board the robot to be able to adapt to whatever the environment may be every time. Uh, And that's a principle we use in whatever situation we're in. So even if there's a repetitive flight in an environment, think of a warehouse, you can't make the assumption that the environment hasn't changed, but Mm -hmm. the the mission is still the same. So we can adapt to that kind of an environment. And I think with delivery mechanisms, it's not just the tree or the new telephone pole that's gone up, uh, if people are still putting up telephone poles, But it's going to be other extraneous things, like, for example, the dog that's been set loose, that's chasing after the drone. You've got to be able to adapt safely to those kinds of situations as well. So, you know, there's going to be how to get from the depot or the delivery truck, do the last mile, and then there's going to be the landing site selection, which is actually going to be very, very interesting. So that's a whole other kind of thing. So you get to the proximity where you're supposed to deliver, and now you know, it's the last mile and now the final 50 feet. That's going to be the most treacherous. That's going to be the most complex. And that's yes. where you need the most intelligence.
0: I, I can totally buy that. I can totally see that. That's always the most challenging. It's interesting because some people that I've talked to said, we're not going to land because when you land that's an faa event right (laughs) landing and taking off is an faa event and it requires a variety of bureaucracy and maybe checklists and startup procedures or shutdown procedures that sort of thing so we're going to drop and go (laughs)
1: yeah how would you feel about ordering your iphone for drop ship delivery literally (laughs) literally Literally (laughs) (laughs) guaranteed two feet or lower (laughs) it's not sure (laughs) exactly
0: And of course,
1: my luck it would land on the concrete part of my patio.
0: (laughs) Shockingly, I'd be okay with it because, frankly, in the way they pack boxes these days, I'm pretty sure I'd be okay. But what's interesting, you mentioned that you know environments are unpredictable. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have two western red-tail hawks that are nesting in a tree just up outside my office here and the, the crows are always coming and attacking them. <laughs> and I can imagine that happening to some drones as well. So the world is a, a very changeable place.
1: Yeah, that's a whole level of, yeah, I mean, avoiding attacking hawks. And we've seen YouTube videos of hawks attacking drones. Uh, that's a whole level of uh, thing that I think we haven't really kind of started looking into yet uh, mm-hmm. collectively, mm-hmm. we need to. Yeah, yeah.
0: Let's um, cast our eye forward a little bit and and look out two, three years or so. You've come pretty far in just six months because you unveiled a set of technologies that allow drones to go into mines for example and autonomously, semi-autonomously at that point, map out what's going on, what's happening has uh, the new shaft been (laughs) driven through yet Um, other things like that and return back this 3D map and now you're announcing level 4 autonomy so if we look three to five years out uh, what kinds of capabilities do you think you'll be shipping at that point?
1: So for our part, I mean, there's a lot more to do in terms of making this more usable, more adaptable to different kinds of environments. Uh, so, you know, it, the underground mining, we've actually seen some uh, pretty incredible results where it'll go into areas that you didn't even think you needed to go into. Uh, that that was actually one of the highlights of the video that we put out. And so over time, I think there's things that we want to do to make it faster, make it higher resolution, make it more accurate. Uh, we're seeing a lot of interest uh, certainly now in terms of what we're doing, but also requests to see more of the same and just better performance over time. Mm-hmm. But uh, the other thing we were kind of contemplating is basically the the ability to have multiple robots collaborate with each other so you can scale the problem, both in terms of scale and scope. So you can have Uh, multiple identical robots on a mission so you can actually now cover a larger area but also have specialized robots that might be different so heterogeneous uh, Mm -hmm. swarms, so they can actually now have specialized tasks and collaborate with each other on a mission so we're seeing a lot of that plus there's other capabilities that we're going to be putting on board when we talk about mapping right now we're doing geometric mapping We're gonna be incorporating the video, uh, the RGB data, but we're also seeing requests for other kinds of data, other sensors to be carried. So now you've got a much more holistic view of the environment. So imagine a photorealistic, three-dimensional representation onto which you can now put heat, humidity, gas readings, radiological readings, and so on. So Mm -hmm. depending on the sensors you're carrying, you can get a much richer understanding of your environment.
0: That is really, really interesting. I'm also super interested in the possibility of drones working together and drones working together with robots. I mean, you can imagine perhaps in a search and rescue scenario, you've got perhaps a fixed wing drone, which can go for long distances for a long period of time, perhaps at a higher rate of speed Mm -hmm. and identifying, Hey, there's some heat signature here. Go check that out in more detail at a lower pace. You can go down underneath the tree canopy level. I can't right? so, you know, send those drones there. That gets really, really interesting because then you look at the possibility of having some kind of control software for your drone fleet or your robotic integrated fleet, do X, achieve Y, you know, that sort of thing. And the system sort of figures out the best way to make it happen.
1: It goes back to exactly what you said in that, you know, you can instruct uh, individuals to do one and then two and then three or an objective for a team. We're basically saying you know here is what I'm trying to achieve now leave it to the rest of the team to figure out how that's going to be done and break down the problem and that is exactly what we're trying to do
0: excellent excellent well thank you so much uh this has been interesting and informative as per usual thank you for your time meter
1: no pleasure to speak with you again john